make sure I could see the clock back there. So you might recall last time I was here, I went a really long time. <laughs> so so I was like, David's like, make sure you look at the clock. So <laughs> anyways, I got my glasses, I got the clock, I think I'm good to go. So <laughs> all right, good morning. So today, this morning, we're going to continue our series on persevering under pressure. And we're going to be continuing through the book of Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians 3, 1 through 17. But uh, first, let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just thank you for this day, Lord. Lord, it's just, it's a busy weekend, and it's a busy day, Lord. But when I just take a step back and sit here, Lord, I just rejoice, because this is the day that you have made and that you have given us, Lord. So, Lord, right now, we just choose to rejoice in it. Lord, your children love you. We love you, Lord. And our one desire today, my one desire today, is just to sit here with your sons and daughters, with my brothers and sisters, Lord, and to just worship you, Lord, and just pour our love out on you, and to just experience your presence, Lord. So, Lord, we just pray your presence over this service. We invite you here, Lord, to rest. Your children love you, and we thank you. So we pray, and we lift up and glorify your name today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so I have a question for you. What has been the best day of your life on earth so far? What has been the best day of your life on earth so far? So take a minute, just think about it. What's been the best day of your life on earth so far? So for me, the best day of my life on earth so far is the day that I married Agnes. Yeah. It's the day I married Agnes. Yeah. Actually, you know what I told her? Because I had to practice the sermon. She goes, what? She was like so shocked. So, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I need to be like telling her things more, right? So, but it was also that time when we were first married. And I just remember the day of that wedding, like, I knew it was one of the most significant decisions I was making in my life, and I was actually ready to take that jump. And everyone I knew and I loved, they were there to cheer us on, and Agnes was so beautiful, so beautiful. And I remember I'm standing here in front of the church, and I'm looking down the aisle, you know, and the door's open, and she's walking down, and I had this huge smile on my face. I didn't even know till I saw the video after. And this huge smile on face. I'm grinning, right? And I just can't even stop myself, right? And she's walking down the aisle, and everybody's standing up in, their, in honor of our new union. And I just remember feeling so incredulous. I was like, wow, is this really happening? And uh, wow, she wants to be my wife, right? And it's like, who would marry me? <laughs> she wants to be my wife. And then... Um, she wanted to spend the rest of her life with me. And I go, and we're gonna be together, right? It was just so exciting, I remember. And that day, we became Henry and Agnes. It wasn't Henry, it wasn't Agnes, it was Henry and Agnes. We were the Chi family. We had one checking account. We had one bathroom that we shared. And then starting that day, I got to eat food off her plate without asking for permission anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> Like, that was one of the best. What are you getting? Oh, okay, I'm going to get this. <laughs> so, uh, so 
it was also the day I had to start thinking about us, right? What's best for her? What's best for our family? Not just about myself. And it was the day I stopped going to happy hour after work because I couldn't wait to come home and see her. Like I wanted to just spend time and just have dinner with her, cook together. Um, it was the day I started asking her, like, what do you think? How do you feel? What about this or that? And I had to learn to listen to her. We had to learn to work together and we had to make decisions for our family. And as the new head of the family, I had to learn how to prop her up and how to partner with her and how to lead her and still cherish right, and enjoy. And honestly, I'm still learning how to do that. The Lord is teaching me how to do that every, every day, every year. And I think I'm getting better. <laughs> so after 18 years of marriage, I can still say one of the best decisions I've ever made, even when life is tough. I mean, we have some rough patches. And raising kids together, that's, that, that can be very difficult. Um, our health, so as we get older, our health becomes a stress for us. And then there's lots of things we don't agree on. There's lots of things we don't agree on. Uh, so we argue. But I still always think I love Agnes. And I love being married to Agnes. And the day we got married, it's still the best day of my life here on earth. And you know what? That's what Paul is communicating to the Colossians. He is, in his letter to the Colossians, he is communicating to them, truly the best day of their life and the best day of our life is the day that we believed and we received Christ. Because on that day, we became one with him. One with Christ in Christ. It's the day we died to ourself. Our sins, past, present, future, it's gone. Our old way of life, it's completely gone. It's nailed to that cross. And we are now a completely new creation in Jesus. Alive in Christ, fresh start, free from judgment and eternal damnation. And that's true no matter how tough things are around you, no matter how much pressure is being put on you. So you remember the Colossians church, they love being with Jesus and they love being in Jesus. They're faithful, they're true worshipers, but they're also under intense pressure, right? What kind of pressure? There's society, there's religion, there's old traditions, they're even experiencing spiritual oppression. I mean, chapter two, those elemental spirits. And it's putting pressure on them to succumb to their old earthly ways. And Paul's encouraging them, saying, no, remember the best day of your life. And so that's where we pick up Colossians. In Colossians 3, 1 through 4, what we pick up is Paul is reminding the Colossians in 3, verses 1 through 4. He's reminding them of their high status in Christ. We have high status in Christ. We are raised with Christ, seated at the right hand of God. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And when he comes back, we're all going to be revealed in his glory. So Paul's very clear here. He says, your high status in Christ does not come from the things that you have done or even the things you'll do after you're saved. Your high status in Christ comes from one thing, what he has done and who he is. And we are now raised with Christ and our spirit, that part of us that lives forever, we're one with Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 
it says, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Also, Paul reminds them, we are seated with him in the heavenlies at the right hand of Father God where Jesus rules and reigns with all authority and power. Right now, Jesus is ruling and reigning from heaven. And one day he's going to come back and he's going to rule from the new heaven and the earth. And we're going to be part of that. So in Ephesians 2.6, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And then Paul goes on to remind them, your life is now hidden in Christ God. We belong to Christ. We are fully in him. His identity replaced ours. We are now forever secure, covered, and we are separated from the earthly world, even though we still live here. We are living as his sons and daughters. But that's not all. When I was writing this, I felt like I was selling Ginsu knives or something. But that's not all. There's more. There's a promise to come. There is a promise to come. And this one really just gets me. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this going to look like? This is amazing when I just even try to imagine it in my brain. We have this promise that when Jesus comes back and is fully revealed as the King of Kings, the Savior, God, we're also going to be revealed in him. We will be revealed, children of God, and we are sharing in his glory because he gives it to us. And everyone's going to see it, and they're going to know it. I go, oh my gosh. I, I'm like, sometimes I just pray and I go, come on, hurry up. <laughs> so what Paul is basically saying is that we are raised to life rich in Christ. You are raised to life rich in Christ. Okay? And because we are raised to life and rich in Christ, Paul then says, because of that high status you have in Christ, set your minds and hearts on the things above because that's in line with who you are. You no, liver, you no longer live the earthly ways. You now are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. You are sons and daughters. Your physical body's still here on earth, but we're to set our minds and our hearts on the things above because that is in line with who we are. So Paul then goes on to explain what that means. How do you set your mind on things above? So the first thing he tells them is in verse 5 through 11. We need to take off our old self. We need to put it to death. We need to get rid of it. What are the things we need to get rid of? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. He goes on to say, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, lying. So get rid of it. That's not you anymore. That's not you. Second, he then says, put on and live in your new identity. In verses 10 through 14, he says, you are God's chosen ones. You are holy, beloved, compassionate. You have kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love. That is who we are now. We're to put that on. Then he goes on to say, the way you seek things above is you let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Fourth, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And finally, we're to give thanks to God the Father. Give thanks to God the Father. So in summary, 
Colossians 3, 117 is saying, number one, we are raised to life rich in Christ. Because of that, we're to set our minds on things above. And the way we do that, get rid of the old stuff, put on the new self in Christ, let God's peace rule in your hearts, let his word dwell in you, and give thanks. Okay? That's basically what, what Paul is writing to the Colossians. And I just love it. I read that and I go, this is truth. I believe it. I receive it. But you know what? Most days, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I'm raised to life. I don't feel like I'm rich in Christ. I have a hard time setting my things and hearts on things above. I let the world kind of just throw me around and toss me back and forth. I don't feel rich. I don't feel, you know what? I feel, I feel old. <laughs> I feel kind of creaky. In fact, I was practicing with Agnes, and as I was practicing, my knee was creaking. <laughs> when I was like, she goes, I think I hear your knee creaking, <laughs> right? So while I'm practicing, I'm like, yeah, there it goes. It's popping. <laughs> so, but there's lots of things that put pressure on our lives, right? Lots of things. What are you, what are you going through? You guys have health issues? Are there health issues you're going through? We've got that. Money issues? Money issues? Relationship issues? Housing issues, right? Housing issues, crazy right now. Employment, work problems, family conflict. People don't get along, they don't see eye to eye. People you don't want to talk to anymore, people who are not talking to you. Caring for others. Some of us, we're caring for young children, right? And more than one, right? They're running around. Joyful, it's life-giving, but it's tiring. <laughs> uh, some of us are caring for people with disabilities. Some of us are caring for the elderly. Okay? And then we've all experienced lately the death of loved ones. Okay? I just love that blessed be your name song. So it reminds me, the Lord gives and he takes away, but no matter what, blessed be his name. Okay? But it doesn't take away the circumstance or the feeling of losing a loved one and going through these hardships. Right? And if you're like me, it's not just one thing, like a health issue. It's happening all at once. It's got the, it's the health, it's the money, it's the work, family issues. It seems like it just kind of pours down all at once, right? And then I know, I don't know about you, but for me, I start thinking about those things and I start feeling what's happening. And the next thing you know, I'm in this downward spiral, right? I'm, I'm in my pity party, I'm in my victim-y self. I'm like, oh, and then sometimes I start to go, God, where are you? Where are you? A lot of days I don't feel rich in Christ. I don't feel raised to life. I don't know how to set my mind above. So what are you guys going through? What are you going through right now? It's hard. So I just want to share a time with you. I want to share a time with you back in August of 2020 through January 20 of 21, about six months, where Agnes and I, we were going under some severe pressure, severe pressure. And I'm looking out in the audience right now, and I'm seeing some of you, and I go, I know a lot of you are going through the same thing or even worse. Right? And so my heart really just goes out to you in your situation right now. So let me share with you a little bit about what was happening uh, in August 2020 and uh, through January 2021. It was the middle of COVID, right? So here we are, uh, COVID 2020, things were pretty much still in lockdown. Agnes was still going to the clinic and she's in the urgent care and she's seeing sick patients. So we were kind of scared. Um, we heard the Lord tell us, to move, sell your house and move now. This was um, June, 2020. 
June 2020, so July 2020, we put our house on the market. And you know what? It sold in two weeks. I'm shocked, right? In the middle of a pandemic, I think only like five people came to see the house and it sold in two weeks. And I'm like, okay, this must be the Lord. It sold and it went over listing. So it must be from the Lord. We had two weeks to move. Packed everything up, threw everything in the car, storage bins, gave stuff away. And we just took off. And we had no idea where we were going. Honestly, no idea. And you, you probably, some of you probably seen the video where we give testimony where we just left. We ended up in a temporary rental in Long Beach. Totally God provided. Totally God provided. But you know, the minute we left our old house, things started to just get really difficult. The first thing that happened, the day right after, there was some potential issues with the sale of the house with the people who bought it from us. And I can't really, I don't want to really go on to it, but it was very stressful and it consumed a lot of my time and a lot of my energy, right? It's just one of those things you don't expect to happen, but when it does, it can drag out and get really ugly, right? The second thing is Agnes started to go through some really significant medical issues and we needed to decide if she was going to have surgery or not. I mean, this is literally the week after we moved. House issues with the buyers, medical issues with Agnes, does she need to have surgery? And then later on, a couple weeks later, we, we discovered that my son was just, was struggling really badly with emotional issues. We knew it, that it had been happening for a while, but we didn't know how bad it was. And it was to the point where uh, he wanted to, to um, commit suicide. And we needed to get him help. We were also beginning our second year of homeschooling and the kids were gonna be going to a new learning center and they were really anxious. They were like, oh, we don't know anybody. Are we gonna like the environment? Are we gonna make new friends? You know, and then they start down that spiral. People don't like me, I don't have any friends. And this was gonna be their third school in two years. And then that wonderful rental house that we moved to, that was God provided and it totally was, but there was some issues. Uh, I had fleas. It had mosquitoes, it had mice, and then there was a skunk that tried to get into the house every night. <laughs> so every night around 2 a.m., 3 a.m., we would hear scratch, scratch, scratch. So one night I had had it, and we didn't know what it was. I thought it was squirrels jumping on the roof, and I went outside, and I saw this skunk, and it was going up to one of the, to one of the screens that takes you under the house, and it's literally doing this, like trying to pull the grate off. Like I had no idea they had hands. <laughs> I had no idea they had that much strength, right? So, and then I'm like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to touch that, right? Because I'll be sleeping outside with the skunk if I get sprayed, right? So anyways, there was issues. Right? The washer-dryer broke, there was no mattress, and this was, not a, this was not a slum house. This was a nice house in Bixby Knolls next to the Virginia Country Club, right? So it was just an old house. Uh, and at the same time, we're like, where are we going to go? How long are we going to stay in this house? There was a Buddhist temple not too far by. There was heavy, heavy spiritual oppression. The Lord taught us how to pray and how to cleanse and how to bring his light into the neighborhood. That was something we had never done before. Um, home prices kept going up. We're like, I don't think we're going to get in. Everything was overbidding. Properties were going fast. And then I went to a meeting. And in that meeting with the elders, Sam goes, 
guess what? The Lord's calling me and I'm leaving. I'm like, oh my gosh, do I need another thing in my life? <laughs> really? Could you stay for like two more years? Right? And then we're trying to figure out, how should we open the church? Should we not open the church? Are the live streams working? Is Stanford going to have us back? And we really wanted to meet because we just love meeting, but we weren't sure on the timing, so we were discerning. And then we had family members freaking out, right? Some would see us, some wouldn't see us, some would see us only if we did certain things, and we loved them. We don't want them to be isolated. So we did everything we could to accommodate. We wore three masks sometimes. Sometimes we just meet, you know, like car to car, roll the windows down, hi, you know. So we did our best, but it was stressful. It was stressful, and a lot of times I was just on automatic pilot. Um, and you know what? There's only one thing I could do every day when I was in that state. All I could do that the Lord taught me to do was to go to him daily and pour my heart out. There was days where I couldn't open my Bible. There was days where I like, I don't feel like going to church. But the one thing the Lord taught me during that time frame, he said, come to me every day, every morning, whenever you see me, and pour my, pour your heart out to me. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what you're thinking. Right? And that's what I learned to do in those six months. And you know what he would do as I did it? He would remind me, he would remind me that he was always there for me. And he would listen to me. He would let me get it all out. And it was during that time frame, I learned one of the biggest lessons in my life of being in Christ. What I learned from that six-month period of time is, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. It's not about whether I succeed or fail. He reminds me that it's about who he is, what he has done, and what he has given to me. And he wants me to have absolute joy in all circumstances and situations, because regardless, he's still God. He's still God. He's still on his throne. He's still ruling and reigning. And because he rescued me, he rescued me, and I am raised and seated at the right hand, ruling from heaven with him, because I am hidden in him, and I am in close relationship with him. So he was reminding me, this is the heavenly perspective I want you to put on every day, and I want you to fully recognize and receive it regardless of what's happening to you. And then that's when the Lord kind of gave me some tools. He taught me some tools to use to help me really persevere when I'm under pressure. Okay. And what I want to do is I want to share that with you today. I want to share that with you. One of the things I found out about um, my speaking style is I'm not necessarily going to be the best teacher up here. I'm not necessarily going to be an exhorter like Ross. Um, but you know what I love to do? I love to give people tools. I love to give people tools. Recently, I, I bought a tool, actually. It was really cool. It's like this flashlight, seatbelt cutter, window smasher, <laughs> charger. It does everything. It's like a nine-in-one, right? I love tools, especially if it's in this little packet, right? I should have brought it. I should have brought it and showed it to you. So here's the tool that I want to show you guys that I felt like the Lord gave to me, okay? And it's actually the acronym R-RICH. You are rich. We are rich in Christ. Okay, so let me explain it to you. Step one, first R, release your feelings and your thoughts to the Lord. Release your feelings and your thoughts to the Lord, okay? It's the first one. Did you guys know how this world works? Do you know how this world works? 
You pay for access to powerful people. You pay for access to powerful people. And you ask them, as you pay them, to do the things that you would like to see done. That is generally how things work around this world. It's all about who you know, it's who you network with, who you can get access to who are people in power. People pay for favors to talk to lawmakers, billionaires, CEOs, heads of countries, so that they can share what they need and influence them to make the changes that benefit them or benefit others, right? Guess what? Do you know, do you realize that in Christ, you have unlimited, full access to the most powerful being in the universe? You have access to the being who created all of heaven and earth, the one who made life, the one who holds all things together. But do you take advantage of your access to Father God? Do you tell God how you feel, what you're thinking? You know what I love the most about going to Father God in Christ? I love it. I don't have to make an appointment. I mean, he's just there. I don't have to call anybody. I don't, you know, I don't have to, you know, can I get in? Can I not get in? Oh, my gosh, it's going to be two months from now. You know what? I don't have to get in line. Sometimes I go someplace, I'm like, uh, I'm out seen. Father God is always there for you, period. You have access all the time. And you know what I love? He lets me finish. He lets Because in my house, I don't always get to finish. In my house, I start to tell a story and I get interrupted. Dad, I need that. You know what? I'm not, okay, okay, what's going on? I get to finish with Father God. He, he lets me go all the way through without interrupting me or finishing my sentences. Right? And he understands. And then the best of all, he loves it when I go to him and I tell him what's going on. He just loves it. He loves that I choose to go and share it with him. Sometimes I feel guilty with my kids because they come and they want to, I'm like, oh, I don't know, go, go tell your mom, right? I don't get, let's talk about it later. We got we to go, and, you know. I never experienced that with God, ever. And if you experienced that with your parents growing up, not being seen or not being heard or feeling like you were not worthy to say the things you were, I'm sorry. But with your heavenly father, that is not true. He is there for you all the time. You can pour your heart out and you can share anything with him. Because you know what? He already knows what you're thinking and feeling anyways. So tell him. I remember I was telling this to um, a missionary that I was visiting overseas. And you know what she said to me? She goes, I can't do that. She had some horrible stuff going on, right? And, and just ex she was in a dark country, oppression. And I said, why not? And she goes, well, God doesn't want to hear my little problems. They're so small. He's off dealing with big stuff. And I kind of just looked at her. And then she goes, oh, oh, he wants to hear good stuff. He wants to hear about the people that I saved yesterday. He wants to hear about how I'm advancing his kingdom. And I looked at her and I go, 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. And she goes, okay. And we did it together. We just poured our hearts out to the Lord and we shared what was going on. She did it and she just completely broke down. She completely broke down and cried and you could see whatever she was carrying on her shoulders, she just gave it to the Lord and she shared the burden. So I want to encourage you. That's the first R. The second R, remember who God is and remember the amazing things he has done in your life. Right? So a few weeks ago, 
Pat spoke on Colossians 1, and he gave us an activity to take a bar of soap home. So how many of you, wow. Soap, right? Good soap, yes. I was going to carve the soap, I promise. I was going to carve the soap. But um, the, soap, I, what I, what I, the picture I got from the Lord in my mind, it was too complicated for me to carve in the soap. So, so instead, I found one online. So, so Psalm 77, 11, 12. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. This is what the Lord wanted me, or this is what I was supposed to carve in my soap. Do we have that picture? Yeah, that's the picture. And you know what the Lord was reminding me? I, I you know, I, there's no way I could have carved that in soap. I, I might have printed it off and glued it on the soap and then maybe, but uh, yeah, the point is, the Lord has touched every one of us in here. You all have a testimony. You have all experienced him in wondrous ways. And the Lord was reminding me, being a kid, when I was 14, when my parents got divorced, and it was ugly. It was ugly. My parents hate each other. When I was 14, divorced, dad stopped talking to me. I stopped talking to my dad. 25, my dad calls me almost nine years later, and he says to me, on the phone, I love you. Come back to Taiwan and visit me so we can start to rebuild a relationship. Words I never thought I would hear in my life, right? An Asian dad who hardly spoke at home calling me from overseas telling me that he loves me and he wants me to come visit him. So I did. And we reconciled our relationship. And now he can come and visit me and he can be in the same room with my mom and they don't fight. They don't fight. They still don't like each other, but they, they don't fight. <laughs> they don't fight. They're cordial. I mean, it's, it's way more than I ever thought could happen. Way more. In fact, they were both at our wedding. They were sitting in the front row. They both stood up. They blessed our marriage together. At the wedding banquet, they sat together. They toasted us, and they were smiling. No one was throwing food. It was good. <laughs> I look at that and I go, that can only be God. That can only be the reconciliation of Jesus working in my family, working in my life, right? So I hold on to that. I hold on to that. Number three, so we went through release your feelings, remember who God is. The third one, identify who you are in Christ. Identify who you are in Christ. You know, we talk about this so much, I almost feel like I could just move to the next slide. But what I do want to do is, I do want to bring up a few verses here. You know, when I'm really down, sometimes I need to remind myself that this is how God sees me. And I pull from one of these. But you know what, recently, and you can add to this list. Do you know you could add whatever God speaks to you about what, how he sees you? And I add to this list for myself personally. So recently, I went to the Lord in the morning. We homeschool our kids. It's one of the best decisions we made. It is really hard. It is really hard. So I went to the Lord and, oh, oh what, I think one of my kids is in the audience. I better, <laughs> I better filter. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, like what am I, I think I saw him walk in. So, so anyways, homeschooling can be really tough sometimes. And there's days where um, it's just not the, my most favorite thing to do. So, um, so I took it to the Lord, and I poured my heart out to the Lord. I poured my heart out to the Lord. And um, then I stopped, and I listened. And you know what the Lord said to me? 
I couldn't believe this. I couldn't believe the creator of the universe. I couldn't believe the king of kings said this to me. He said, I asked you to homeschool your kids because I trust you. Because I trust you. I trust you will teach them in my ways. I trust them you will tell them about my goodness. And I trust your heart for your generations. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. Right? And right now, sometimes when homeschooling's hard, I hold on to these things, but I hold on to what the Lord tells me. He trusts me. He trusts me. So, and step number four, celebrate. C is for celebrate. And when I'm really down, and I don't feel rich in Christ or raised to life. In fact, I don't even want to be. I'm like, I don't want to be. It's too hard. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be, you know, in my identity. It's too hard. I just want to be mad and fleshly, right? I make myself put on worship music. Sometimes you just have to make yourself, right? Like you see that pile of dishes and you just have to make yourself do it. So <laughs> sometimes I just, I make myself listen to worship music. And I can guarantee you, nothing brings the presence of the Lord into your life. Nothing resets your soul and your spirit more than just listening to worship music, right? And just having that song play in your head. And then you know what I do? After I sense the, Lord, the presence of the Lord, I say, what's something that I can give thanks for, that I can celebrate? And he always gives me something, right? So then I say, thank you, Lord, for that thing. And then the next thing you know, there's a second thing. And then a third thing, and a fourth thing. And then the next thing you know, my whole attitude has shifted. And you know, the next thing I know too, my perspective, I'm seeing it from his perspective. And I'm just like, what happened? And the best part, as I celebrate, and my mood changes, and I feel the presence of the Lord, and I feel united with him again, he then shows me, this is how you pray into that situation. <laughs> because then I'm seeing it from his eyes. And then the last one, the last H here, is hear and hold on to. Hear and hold on to it. Okay. You know what my absolute favorite verse is in the Bible? My absolute favorite verse is Jeremiah 33, 3. It's a promise. It's a promise from the Lord. And I go to him and I say to him, Lord, you promised. You know, it's like when my kids said, you said, right? You promised, Lord. This is a promise from you. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. When I see this verse, I am just amazed. This is not a one-way relationship where I don't just get to R, release my emotions and feelings to the Lord and share them with him. But he takes them, and you know what? He will share with me things that I don't know. He cares for me. He will answer me. Sometimes he gives me a feeling. Sometimes it's a thought. Sometimes it's a memory. Sometimes it's a sensation that I feel. Sometimes it's a picture. Sometimes he sends another person to answer my call out to him. But he always answers, and he answers in his timing. So are we taking the time to stop and listen and hear? Because it's part of your blessing in Christ. Part of your blessing and your richness in Christ is you can hear what God is sharing with you. Okay? And when he does, do you hold on to it like it's gold and it's treasure? Do you write it down? Do you journal it? Do you text it to yourself and pray into it until it's been fulfilled? 
So I can tell you that six months that we were in that Long Beach house and we had no idea where we were going and all we could do was pour our heart out and on some days make ourselves listen to worship music and then just cry out to the Lord and ask him to lead us and guide us. He answered every single prayer, every single one. And he did even more, even more than I thought and I expected. That issue that we had with um, the buyers of our house, every day I was just on my knees asking the Lord, pouring out my heart. And he showed me what the solution was. And you know what? People I talked to, earthly wisdom, they all said, don't do it. The spiritual people I talked to, and I said, this is what I think I'm hearing from the Lord, they said, that's a kingdom perspective. He's teaching you how to bring peace into a difficult situation, his peace. And I'm like, okay. Then I got my confirmation to move forward with something that didn't make sense on earth, but in his kingdom it made sense. The issues with the doctors and the physical stuff we had going on, he provided every professional, he provided financially for the insurance in his timing. So I, can, I can't say it's healed and it's taken care of. It's in process. But he's provided every step of the way what we needed. So, I just want you to know when you cry out and you call out to the Lord, he will answer you. This is the steps. These are the steps and it is the R-rich process. Okay? The R-rich process. And I read my Bible. I love my Bible. Right? I love truth. I want to read it. But sometimes I need to use these tools to get me to that place. Get me to that place to remember who God is, who I am, see my perspectives, and then I can move on with the things that he's called me to. Okay? So right now, what I want to do is I want to, I want to do an activation. I want us to try this out. I want to try this out. So I'm going to ask my, my beautiful bride, Agnes, to come on up. Trust me, we, I, don't talk, I don't talk like that at home. So she does. She's like, oh, you're talking to me? <laughs> you're talking to me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's my beautiful bride. <laughs> yes. I'm trying. I'm, I'm really trying to get in the... the <laughs> so um, I'm going to ask my wife to um, just play for about four or five minutes. And what I'd like us to do is try the first R, release your feelings and your thoughts to the Lord. And then remember who he is, that memory that he has just, that you have just of him. And then the last one, hear and hold, okay? So the key question is, is how are you feeling this morning? How are you feeling this morning? What are you thinking about? What's going on in your life? And it's okay if you brought that with you to church. It's okay. But the Lord is here. And he wants you to share that with him. And you can share anything with him. Okay? You can share anything. So we're going to do the first R. We're going to release our thoughts and emotions to the Lord. And then as Agnes plays, and as the Lord leads you, go into just remembrance of some of the ways he's touched you in your life. And then as you move on, go to the last H. And just hear what he wants to share with you or ask him a question and see how he wants to. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. Hope you will join us in person sometime. It'll be great to see you and meet you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Catalyst YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. And be blessed this week. And as always, thank you, Jesus.